The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. Napa! Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shins that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Still side by side for the lead off turn four. White flag goes in the air. Three wide for the lead. Tyler Reddick will lead this lap. Reddick will take the lead in Kansas. Tyler Reddick all the way to the infield grass. He'll have the lead when they hit turn number one. Logano to the inside. Jones to the outside. Here comes Denny Hamlin 3D. Eric Jones throws the block on Hamlin out of two. Hamlin tries to the inside but can't. Tyler Reddick will lead the field on the end of the back straight away for the final time. Out front when it mattered the most and here he comes off four checkered flag waving at the start finish line and Tyler Reddick will score the win in the Hollywood Casino 400. Yeah it's amazing it's really nice you know for me uh, a year ago for me a year ago you know Bristol was a heartbreaker you know had to been leading this race early last year and, and blew a tire so it's It was a nice little shot of redemption for me. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as the round of 16 in the NASCAR Cup Series is about to conclude this weekend at the Bristol Motor Speedway. Coming up on today's show, we'll relive an eventful Hollywood Casino 400 with the new MRN backtracks. That'll help connect the dots from Kansas to Bristol this weekend. One of the playoff drivers having a problem over the weekend was Chris Busher. Chris Busher will sit down with our Dylan Welch. We'll also do a deep dive on the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs. Austin Hill, who claimed the Xfinity Series regular season championship, will stop by. Plus a full preview of the Bass Pro Shops night race and a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with the check of the latest headlines in NASCAR. Kyle? Mike NASCAR will revert to throw in caution flags at the end of stages when the Xfinity and Cup Series return to the Charlotte Roval next month for its playoff races. Elton Sawyer, NASCAR Senior Vice President of Competition, announced the change on Tuesday morning on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. In addition to announcing the return of stage breaks, Sawyer also confirmed that the restart location will be moved in hopes of spreading the field out before the first turn. For the Charlotte race, it will be at the exit of the front straightaway chicane. Elsewhere, a familiar face is returning to junior motorsports next season. The organization announced that Sam Mayer will be back once again to pilot the car during the 2024 season. This will mark Mayer's third full-time stint with JRM. 
and Ryan Vargas will have a busy slate in upcoming weeks. Vargas announced that he'll be making his NASCAR Wheelin Euro Series debut in Germany September 23rd and 24th as he competes in the German Grand Prix for 3F Racing. The 22-year-old will then attempt to qualify for the Love's RV Stop 250 Truck Series race at Talladega the following week. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we'll relive all the twists and turns from another eventful Hollywood Casino 400 in Kansas. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy four tires to Noco Racing Fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's not here for Ryan Blaney. Four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Last season, the first two races of the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs were won by drivers who were on the outside looking in to postseason contention. This year, the first two events have been won by drivers competing for a championship. The latest checkers being claimed by Tyler Reddick in 2311 Racing in an event filled with highs and lows. Let's relive Tyler's victory in the Hollywood Casino 400. Christopher Bell, the pole winner, opts to start the race on the bottom side of the racetrack. Kyle Larson alongside, and the green flag goes in the air, and the Hollywood Casino 400 is underway. Field rumbles off to turn one. Rumble, turn number three, Martin Truex Jr. Up and into the outside wall. Playoff driver number one affected by the wall in Kansas. Martin Truex Jr. coasting to the bottom of the racetrack with a lot of damage on the right side of his Toyota. Caution on the speedway for the first time. Truex cannot get the car to pit lane. The right front wheel is completely bowed out. It is not rolling in the right direction. The right rear is flat as well. Back straightaway, Austin Dillon has a problem. He has bounced off the outside wall midway down the backstretch. He's going to pull the car onto the apron. There is damage now as he is just limping at pedestrian pace. Oh, and he has just torn the right front all to pieces. That uh, that right front not turning as it should as he's limping. Trouble back straightaway. Another car is spun. It's William Byron who's going for a spin. I think there's debris up and down the backstretch, Mike. Not sure if Byron got it, but William Byron spun halfway down the back chute. As Larson leads him off the corner. And he is going to be seeing the green and white checkered flag flying here at the start-finish line on lap number 80. And Kyle Larson has scored the stage win, and he'll do it in front of Bubba Wallace, Christopher Bell, Ross Chastain, and Ryan Blaney. Trouble off turn number four, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. just pounded the outside wall. That orange and blue NOS Chevrolet has pancaked the right side. He's being passed inside and out by multiple cars. Yeah, and he's got damage on the right rear tire down, and he's about to lose the carcass of that right rear tire, trailing a lot of smoke. He's on the bottom of the racetrack, not the apron. Now he'll drop in onto the apron and coming to the pit lane, a right rear tire problem for Bubba Wallace. Boy, this is huge. He was running second. He brings out the caution. Chase Elliott, however, continues to hang on to the lead. It's been 343 days since Chase Elliott last visited Ruoff Mortgage Victory Lane. 
and the green flag goes in the air, but Chase does not get a very good restart. His teammate on the outside of him, Kyle Larson, does. Side by side, they go into the banking of turn number one, and they're immediately looking three wide to the outside. Ryan Blaney got some giddy up. Elliott away with the lead. Blaney rim runs the outside. Oh, Larson gets bumped from behind, and they're all jammed up off two. Larson had to check up coming out of two, and Ross Chastain, wrong place, wrong time. Larson got bottled up there, and now Larson is trying to race for position number four. Chastain may fall out of the top 20. He was running fourth. Green and white checkered flag in the air. A small victory now for Brad Keselowski. The BuildSummarines.com Ford Mustang wins stage number two. Denny Hamlin will finish the stage second. Chase Elliott will be third. Kevin Harvick fourth and Tyler Reddick fifth. Here's Denny Hamlin to the bottom of the racetrack at the start-finish line, trying to take the lead away. Brad Keselowski tries to keep the momentum topside. Side by side into turn number one with Tyler Reddick in the catbird seat right behind them. Hamlin slides low, slides up across the nose. Denny Hamlin to the top of the leaderboard. Brad Keselowski's got company to his left elbow. That lane was left open out of two for Tyler Reddick, and he's going to maximize it. Here's Reddick to the inside of Keselowski for second. Reddick may challenge for the lead. 80 laps to go here at the Kansas Speedway. New leader at the line, Denny Hamlin. But for how long? Tyler Reddick closing in. Reddick is hot to trot, and Brad Keselowski's not done yet either. We have a slow car. It is Chris Busher, and we've got a tire going down the right rear on Busher. May have just let go. He is headed towards Dave Moody up in turn one. And he's about as far from pit road as he can possibly be. Right up on the outside wall. Just its lane as Chris Busher now will basically ride the wall down the back straight away at a greatly reduced rate of speed. Six laps to go, and the caution flag is flying at the Hollywood Casino 400. Debris put down from that disintegrating right rear Goodyear Eagle after Chris Busher tried to get the car to the bottom of the track, could not do it because of oncoming traffic, and this changes everything. Back at Kansas Speedway, pit lane is open. All the lead lap cars are in front of Steve Post. Denny Hamlin going with four, uh, four Goodyear Racing Eagles. They're not worried about fuel. Hamlin's down and away. We'll see what the call is. Eric Jones goes with two tires. Jones is out first. Kyle Busch is out second. Joey Logano. Denny Hamlin goes out fourth. Looks like Kyle Larson is fifth. A couple drivers going with two tires and getting some track position. We're going to see how this one plays out. Chris? Yeah, it was four tires, though, on this end for Tyler Reddick for Kevin Harvick as well. Daniel Suarez, let's just add another player into this. Suarez stayed on the racetrack. He is your race leader. As we go green, white, checker to settle it. Suarez stayed out. He'll lead the field back to the green flag. To the outside, it's Eric Jones. Joey Logano's going to bust out a line. And Logano will make it three wide, headed to one. Three wide to the inside. Logano downstairs. Suarez in the middle. Eric Jones to the outside. Further up here comes Kyle Busch. Side by side, the leaders touch out of two. Side by side, Joey Logano, Eric Jones behind them. You got Tyler Reddick and Kyle Busch side by side. Behind them, here's Hamlet to the inside of Larson as they stack it up off the corner. Still side by side for the lead off turn four. White flag goes in the air. Three wide for the lead. Tyler Reddick will lead this lap. Reddick will take the lead in Kansas. Tyler Reddick all the way to the infield grass. He'll have the lead when they hit turn number one. Logano to the inside. Jones to the outside. Here comes Denny Hamlin. 
Jones throws the block on Hamlin out of two. Hamlin tries to the inside but can't. Tyler Reddick will lead the field off the end of the back straight away for the final time. Out front when it mattered the most. And here he comes off four. Checkered flag waving at the start finish line. And Tyler Reddick will score the win in the Hollywood Casino 400. Tyler Reddick with a three wide bonsai move off four coming to the white holds everybody off and Tyler Reddick will score the win and advance. Tyler, describe the final two laps of that race today. Chaos, but it was uh, it was perfect, honestly. We had um, really, really good money line in Toyota Camry TRD all day long. Everyone at 2311, we come here. Um, they mean business, but uh, didn't have the outright pace that I think uh, Bubba or Denny did at times at the end there. We were pretty solid, but just stuck behind him, right? So when that caution came, it gave us a heck of an opportunity, especially with those cars that uh, stayed out, took two tires. Three of the last four races at Kansas have been won by the 45 of 2311 racing. Coming up, our Dylan Welch catches up with Cup Series playoff contender, Chris Busher. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers and warning systems for the automotive, aviation and mass notification industries worldwide. Whelan products are designed, sourced and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Whelan Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left and we're here to stay. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This time last year, Chris Buescher was able to bring a newly rebranded Roush Fenway Keselowski racing its first win with its new look and co-owner. He did so at Bristol Motor Speedway. Although it was a big milestone for the company, the team wasn't competing for a championship. This year, the Prosper Texas native returns to the great Coliseum with a lot on the line. He enters the final race of the round of 16 with a 13-point cushion. Our Dylan Welch sat down with the driver to discuss his approach this week and why his win at Bristol last year was so special. So let's go back to that win at Bristol a year ago. Even though you weren't in the playoffs, did you feel like at that time the team was ready and, and primed for a win? Yes, is the short answer. to the. Um, I felt like last year Dover was probably our main turning point. felt like we found... Um, uh, a lot of speed there. Got a first pole. Ran good in the race. wasn't quite able to win that race, but was just kind of that first show of man, we're, we're close here. And um, it, it just came on too late, and uh, and we ended up missing missing the playoffs. But uh, you know, showed up with uh, that race win in Bristol, and, and felt like you know this kind of proves what we've been thinking um, that we've been seeing you know internally on the season is. We've been very competitive um, at places. We've been close to a handful of wins. And, um, you know, we had the Sonoma and, and the Richmond last year that were so close for us. But um, I think that uh, it was time for us, and it kind of proved to us that we were we were ready. We just needed to uh, we needed to start where we ended last year, and we were able to, able to get really close to doing that this season. What's the key to surviving 500 laps there, avoiding all the chaos, the attrition, the, the calamity that can sometimes happen? It's Bristol. There's there's no escape. <laughs> it's um, you can be leading the race and, and you can run into a wreck if you're not careful. But um, I love that racetrack. It's my favorite place we go to, and um, 
got to control what you can. You got to uh, got to stay focused because just the, the smallest lapse of judgment can can really end your day quickly. It's such a fast racetrack to be just a half mile, but um, it's very difficult. And it's very physical. You just you got to work hard, stay focused, and uh, it's not necessarily a race that you just survive. You know, you got to be you got to be competitive. You can't be somewhat comfortable and say. Uh, we're gonna be 18th, and we're gonna we're gonna survive this thing because I feel like that's where a lot of the chaos happens, or we'll get to. You know, if you can be up front, it's usually a lot cleaner race. People's cars are handling good up there, obviously. So uh, I feel like that's your your best chance to survive is is to win it. Um, I, I think it's it's the wrong mindset to just try and get through it. Sure, that makes sense. You've compared the Bristol Night Race kind of from a uh, prestige or importance to you personally. You've compared it to the 500 today. Daytona. Why is that race so special to you? A couple different reasons. Bristol's been my favorite racetrack well before I ever made a lap there. The Bristol night race, to me, is just such a difficult race. It's for all the same reasons, right? It's uh, it, it's about endurance from uh, from the driver, from the pit crew, to the right calls, to uh, taking care of your equipment. You know, it's such a massive event. It's so popular in our sport. To me, that's that's the race that I love watching as a fan growing up uh, as much as any other one uh, or more than any other one. It's just it's been the top of my bucket list for a really long time. And uh, I just feel like when you go to that one and now, you know, compared like the Daytona 500, there's you know obviously a lot of draw to try and win that race. And, it, and it's huge. But there's there's a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a luck factor when you go into that one into winning it and especially with our races being so chaotic towards the end you know you can do the right things and just have something off the wall happen right in the last lap or two and and be so frustrated but um i feel like at bristol you're you're at least controlling your own destiny a little bit more and um like like the southern 500 right like like it's just one of those races that you want to win so bad you can't stand it and that's it's always been top of my list rfk this point right now versus the same point last year What's the difference? What's changed? I, I will say versus this point last year, we, we were very good at this point last year. Uh, I was I was really happy to see the progression, but we've continued to work on detail. Uh, we've continued to find little bits of speed here and there. We've continued just to, to build nicer race cars. I think the biggest step was taken, you know, 18 months ago, not not 12, but you know, certainly we, we've been able to execute at just the absolute highest level, uh, especially as of late. And I think that that's been um, what's showing up. We, we've proven to ourselves, we've proven to the industry that uh, on a good day when we bring fast race cars and we are smart in our decision making and that uh, you make good decisions behind the wheel, that, that we are capable of winning races. You have to do everything. This is a hard sport to win races in and you have to be perfect when the opportunity presents itself. And, and that's where I feel like we put in the work to make that opportunity present itself and, and we've been able to execute to, to capitalize on those days. Brad's been around your wins and it was a factor in your win at Daytona. He's obviously trying to break a winless streak of his own. What's that dynamic like? Do you guys, you know, bust each other's chops about that or what's that what's that like? I try not to because I don't know how he's going to take it just <laughs> yet, but um he's actually he was a factor to win Richmond and Michigan mm-hmm. too. So it's not that um you know we, we've had these uh these races where we've just absolutely dominated. We've we've been around each other at all these races. So it is challenging. I, I think he certainly had a chance at Daytona 
to, to win that race, right? And um, he made the decision that, that RFK was going to, to be 1-2 uh, first before before RFK was 1-15th. and, and 15th. It came at the expense of him winning that race, but it got us our 1-2 our finish. Uh, I'm under no... No type of illusion that says that uh, he was happy with that. Uh, not completely, anyway. Um, I know how bad he wants to win. We're all competitors, but I think he, he certainly likes it from from the ownership side of things. I feel like he's been happy about it and, and more pumped up about. I feel like he was more happy about the Daytona one-two uh, than he was, you know, knowing how close he was at at Richmond, for instance. You know, I feel like that's the impression I got. But no, I'm not about. I'm not about to go over here and start poking poking the bear maybe maybe he would if he was just a teammate but even then i feel like that's pushing your luck and especially with them being on the boss side of things too i'm, I'm not about to go hit those buttons <laughs> last thing for bristol do you feel like you're the favorite at bristol this year i, I certainly feel like we're in a good spot i, I don't know about favorite it's it's hard to pick out favorites uh, especially the last two years right we just haven't seen the seasons where you just have that that one or two teams that that are in contention every week and it's just you know a couple of different winners here we've had so many different winners that um i think it's hard it's hard to just pick out a favorite uh with that being said our recent momentum is obviously a factor the fact that we won that race last year obviously goes into our favor there also the fact that that bristol has been a very good track to me through the years i've been competitive there in in everybody's equipment that i've driven you know i think that certainly wins ourselves to uh, to a good finish there but i'd like to think we're we're definitely in in the top couple there thank you dylan coming up we'll shift gears and talk some nascar xfinity series playoff conversation with austin hill From outdoor care to home and auto repair, do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Twelve drivers begin their quest for a NASCAR Xfinity Series championship this weekend at Bristol does anyone have an advantage and what are the competitors anticipating over the next seven races? Our Susie Armstrong is here to guide us through the final stint of the season. The 2023 NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs get underway Friday at Bristol Motor Speedway. Let's meet the 12 drivers who will compete for a championship. Over the final two months of the regular season, the battle for the 2023 NASCAR Xfinity Series regular season championship was tightly contested. Entering the final weekend of the regular season, John Hunter Nemechek, Austin Hill, and Justin Allgaier were all within range of the coveted title. Prevailing was Austin Hill, who set the standard early in the season, winning at Daytona and Las Vegas. Entering the playoff run, Hill understands the importance of the extra playoff points that come with the regular season trophy. Yeah, the extra 15 bonus points is huge because, you know, if you win a race, you get five extra bonus points. So it's like winning three races, uh, having the extra 15 bonus points, So, um, which is huge for us. You know, I, I've... 
been doing this uh, for you know a few years now on the truck side, and then last year with the Xfinity Series, um, those points really help. You know, if you have a bad race, you know, there's only three three races uh, in each in each um, playoff bracket. So, uh, if you have a bad race, you can have some points to fall back on. So it makes it nice that we have some points to fall back on, just in case if we do have a bad race. But hopefully, we don't. Narrowly missing out on the regular season crown was Nemechek, although Nemechek does enter the playoff round of 12 with a distinct advantage. Nemechek will also be carrying over momentum following his win this past weekend at Kansas Speedway. At the entrance to turn three, back to the top of the racetrack, here comes John Hunter Nemechek out of four. And he will be looking for the black and white checkered flag, and it is in the air here at the Kansas Speedway, and John Hunter Nemechek has picked up his sixth win of the season. Will this finally be the year for Justin Allgaier? Allgaier has been on the cusp of the championship many times, including five appearances in the championship four, the last of which occurring in 2022. For the past 12 seasons, he's taken the bridesmaid role, but enters yet another year at the forefront of the title race. Could his fortunes finally be changing? It was only a few weeks back where he earned that elusive win at Daytona. Creed occupies the inside line. Klingerman needs more drafting help. Creed gets the run. Here he comes to the outside for the lead in three. Creed goes topside. Allgaier to the bottom side. Front two side by side with a one car late separation. Back to third and fourth. Daniel Hendrick, Parker Side by side like a pace lap coming off four. Here they come back to the line. They're crashing at the back of this group. Checkered flag is in the air to the line by a fender. Justin Allgaier is a bridesmaid no more at Daytona. For the first time in his career, Justin Allgaier wins at the World Center of Racing. Cole Custer was on the fringe of the regular season title race with a handful of clashes remaining, but faltered down the stretch. Either way, Custer will have plenty to say on who comes away with the series champion. Championship. In particular, Custer should be tough at Charlotte Motor Speedway after winning on the road courses at Chicago and Portland earlier this season. Junior Motorsports teammates Josh Berry and Sam Mayer are back for another run at a championship. One year removed from the Final Four, Berry is back, hoping to claim the series title before heading off to a cup ride at Stuart Haas Racing. Meanwhile, Mayer has followed up his stellar rookie season in 2022 with two wins in 23 and is a legitimate threat to make the championship four after advancing to the round of eight last fall. Burton out front by two car lanes. Creed advances to the second spot. He's got drafting help, does Creed, courtesy of Cole Custer. They're crashing behind them. One car, three, four cars go around. Checkered flag is in the air to the line. Checkered is out and Jeb Burton wins again at the Talladega Super. Speedway. Jeb Burton reached the playoffs by way of his second career win at Talladega. Burton made his last playoff appearance in 2021 when he failed to advance out of the round of 12. He and the team at Jordan Anderson Racing will be searching for a better fate this time around. Flying under the radar entering the playoffs is 2021 Series champion Daniel Hemrick. Hemrick earned his way in on points and is considered a long shot, but one can't count out his championship chops heading into the upcoming three-race stretch in the round of 12. There are several playoff newcomers taking the stage this weekend at Bristol. Up from the truck ranks in his first full-time season in the Xfinity Series, Chandler Smith will be making his playoff debut. Smith, along with Sheldon Creed, rookie Joe Gibbs racing driver Sammy Smith, and Parker Kligerman round out the drivers who are making their first playoff appearances. One of the best stories entering the Xfinity Series is the triumph of Kligerman and Big Machine Racing. 
Kligerman grinded through the 2023 regular season, scoring top tens consistently after Sonoma to earn the team's first playoff berth on points. Oh, it's an amazing honor to, uh, you know, to get the first playoff berth for this young race team. And through all we've been through this season and how good we've been the last 12 weeks or so, I felt like we deserved it. I knew if we just performed how we knew we could perform, which is what we did today, and execute a high level, we could do this. Um, and we did that. We had a fast spike like Core Chevy. Uh, thank you to Scott and Sandy Borchetta and everyone who makes this possible. You know, this is, this is an honor. Man, I, I had to race. That's the, the most pins and needles race I've ever done on the wall, where I'm scraping the wall with the right rear and being like, Parker, you you are dealing in a game of centimeters, not inches here. Um, but yeah, we, we were able to execute a high level, get in, and we could, you know, we run like this. Like we have the last 12 weeks or so. We have a shot at this thing. I think we can go all the way to championship four. So um, this, I'm really pumped. This is, uh, this is cool, really cool. 12 drivers, seven tracks, one champion. That's what's in store for the NASCAR Xfinity Series as the race for a championship plays out over the next three months. Thank you, Susie. Coming up, we'll visit with NASCAR Xfinity Series regular season champion Austin Hill. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. In his second full-time season competing in the NASCAR Xfinity Series for Richard Childress Racing, Austin Hill has won four times and recently claimed the title as regular season champion. This weekend at Bristol, he'll begin his quest to be the driver holding the championship trophy in November at Phoenix Raceway. How can he achieve that goal? Our Chris Wilner sat down with Austin to discuss exactly that. Regular season champion. I know we talked on the grid actually before Kansas what it would mean and, and the importance of that. But now that you were able to accomplish that, how does that uh, change or maybe keep you guys locked in in terms of the approach for Bristol with those extra bonus points? Yeah, I mean, we, we obviously went to Kansas with one goal in mind, and that was to get the regular season championship. However, we had to get it done. Um, it was a little scarce there for a little while. We saw the 20 kind of out front doing his own thing and, and thought that he was going to have a really good chance of, of getting that championship out from under us. But, um, you know, I, I kind of said it before the race started um, in an interview that I had when I was in the car. I was talking to Steve Letarte, and, and he's like, hey, you know, how's today going to go blah 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 and i'm like man we're we're not we don't have the best car today but um this is where resilience shows and this is where you have to dig deep and show that uh you're ready to win a championship and compete for for a title so uh, that's what we had to do we had to dig deep we didn't have the best car by any stretch and we somehow salvaged the top five got that extra 15 bonus points and i felt really good about those extra 15 bonus points and then i saw what happened to martin truex the next day uh wrecking on like lap four and his his uh buffer that he had kind of went away it was wiped out completely so uh i think that you can't get too too complacent you can't get too uh you know can't get too like easy on the fact that okay we're up by 
however many points. Um, you know, let's just have a smooth race. You still got to be aggressive. You got to try to, uh, you know, get stage points when you can get them. Get that extra point if you can get it because you never know if something like what happened to Martin Truex Jr. could happen to me at any stage of, of the three races that are coming up, and it could easily knock you out. So when you enter the playoffs, you're actually going to be second seed to John Hunter. So does it feel like, I mean, it's kind of shaping up to be a, a race between the two of you. How would you assess kind of that championship battle basically going to have to go through either of you? Yeah, you know, the 20 the twenty team, they've been kind of the class of the field during the year. We've just done a really good job of bit, having that consistency. Uh, the 20 team's just been really fast. They've won a lot of races, um, but you've seen those kind of like roller coaster finishes throughout uh, where we've just kind of been even kilt. We've kind of stayed really nice and smooth all season long. Yeah, we've had a few of our races where you kind of have that roller coaster, but everyone's going to have that throughout the season. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be really tough to – to compete with the 20 team. Um, I think that it's anybody's race, though, if you can make it to that Final Four. If you make it to the Final Four, um, you know, the intensity levels up. You That's that's one race where you just got to have that perfect race car that day. Um, so we just got to dig deep these next six races that are coming up um, and just do it do it race by race. You know, don't start thinking too far ahead. Uh, let's, we're thinking about Bristol this weekend, and once Bristol's over, we're thinking about Texas next weekend and, and so on and so forth. We don't want to get thinking too far ahead of like, oh, we got a really good shot at making it to the Final Four. Well, we still got to get the job done in these six other races to, to make it happen. How does year two at RCR, I mean, what did you learn from last year that, you know, it seemed like you guys hit the ground running again this year, but haven't let off the gas pedal. So what was the biggest adjustment from year one to year two? I mean, I think a lot of it's just getting to know the Xfinity cars and, and their tendencies and, and how they drive at certain racetracks and how the tar- tire fall off is at certain racetracks and um, just kind of learning the race car a little bit more. And then on top of that, just being able to work with, with Andy Street, my crew chief, and all the guys that I had last season are on for this season. So just having that confidence level in your team and and, and being able to lean on each other and, and know if I say the car's you know doing this or that on the racetrack, we know how to adjust it. We know how to make it better. There's been a lot of races this season where we've unloaded at the racetrack and we have not been good at all. And then by the end of the race, you see us inside the top five. We're inside the top three. We're, we have a shot at winning these races. So um, – I just think that shows that that we're really clicking on all cylinders right now, and and it's a lot of it's just from just having that last year under our belt and going into this this season, we were just able to to start the season off, you know, firing firing on all cylinders. Where do you think the intensity level at Bristol is going to be? We've seen it be the regular season finale, but now the first round of the playoffs. I mean, does that change kind of how that that feeling is going to be when you're when you're hit the track this weekend? I don't think it's going to change a whole lot because it's Bristol. Uh, you know, it's a short short track. It's beating and banging. Sparks are going to be flying. A lot of things are going to be going on. I actually like that it is the first one though, uh, because if you do have say a Martin Truex day where you wreck early in the in the race, you know, say you get wrecked you have a tire go down whatever you have those two other races behind you to to get the job done so um or to rebound so yeah i mean i i I think it's still going to be just old old bristol though i mean it's going to be uh beating and banging you got to have a car that's going to be versatile that can run the bottom that can move up and run the top when when the rubber on the bottom gets kind of pulled up a little bit um 
it's just going to be it's going to be wild. I think if you can get out of Bristol with a good points day, that should set you up pretty well for the next few races. Okay, so you like Bristol being in the playoffs and, and where it's at here in this first round, but there's no Talladega this year. So yeah. No, that's how do you feel about that? I guess with that being left out, I'm a little torn. And, and the reason I am is because even though we're so good on the super speedways, you just never know when you're going to end up in, in the big one on, on a super speedway. So, uh, yeah, I mean, part of me is like, man, I feel like that could be one of those races where we could get a lot of stage points. We could have a shot at the win. But then another part of me is like, well, if if you know you're running second or third and the guy in front of somebody pushes somebody and spins them out and you end up in the wreck early in the race and your day's done so um yeah i mean i'm kind of a little torn there i'm I'm probably okay with it just because of the other racetracks that are on the schedule i feel like we're really good at the mile and a half that are coming up and then if we make it to that round of eight i feel really good about the round of eight except for that that dreaded martinsville martinsville's (laughs) like kicked me in the tail every year so we really gotta that's kind of circled on my my uh sheet or on my calendar for if we make it to that round of eight, we really got to nail down Martinsville. Thank you, Chris. Coming up, we'll hear from numerous NASCAR Cup Series drivers as they tell us what to expect in this weekend's cutoff race at the Bristol Motor Speedway. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This weekend's race at Bristol Motor Speedway is the third and final event in the round of 16 in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. Four drivers will be eliminated from championship contention. What are the drivers on the bubble, like Kevin Harvick and Bubba Wallace, saying ahead of the Bass Pro Shops night race? Let's find out, as our Kyle Ricky has more. Two races are down in the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. With Darlington and Kansas in the rearview mirror, all eyes now turn to one of the most anticipated races of every season, the Bristol Night Race. The night race has taken on an even bigger meaning in recent years now that it is a cutoff race in the round of 16. After 500 laps on Saturday night, four drivers will be eliminated from championship contention. Only two drivers enter the weekend with absolutely no stress. Kyle Larson, thanks to a win at Darlington, and Tyler Reddick after his win this past Sunday in Kansas. There are a few drivers that can breathe a bit easier, though, thanks to point cushions that they built during those two races. One of those drivers is Denny Hamlin. After a second-place finish at Kansas, Hamlin has a 49-point advantage over 13th place. Given that cushion, Hamlin says Saturday is all about scoring another victory. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're going to be far enough ahead. We're going to just race it like we are advancing. We're, we're, we're going to race to win the race. You know, we're going to try to do whatever we can uh, to flip stages and not care about stage points to, to go out there and give us the best opportunity to win, similar to the five and the uh, and the 45. So uh, I think that that's a track that certainly there's a lot of opportunities for teams that are desperate for points to play that game for stages, but then they're going to get flipped 
for the end of the race. And so uh, it makes it easier for us and, and our strategy going forward to uh, to just focus on what do, we, what do we got to do to win. The driver with the next biggest point cushion to Hamlin is William Byron. Byron went into last year's race with a similar cushion and scored a third place finish. Byron hopes to have another good run this year, but given that they haven't raced on the concrete surface at Bristol since then, he is taking a wait-and-see approach. Bristol was, you know, tough last year. It's tough to, again, a tough place to pass. It made it hard to, to make maneuvers, but I think we had a good good race there last year, finished third, had a solid car. I don't think we were the fastest by any means. I think we were kind of a, a top 10 car, so... Hopefully this year uh, we can improve a little bit, make our car do some some things a little bit better. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think it's um, kind of wait and see when we get there. While Hamlin and Byron just need to avoid disaster at Bristol, there are plenty of drivers who aren't as lucky. Chief among them is Martin Truix Jr. Truix was the regular season champion, but after a poor performance in the first two races of this round, he enters Bristol 13th on the playoff grid, seven points below the cut line. The driver who is on that cut line is Kevin Harvick, who is looking to make a dream run at a championship in his final season. While many view Bristol as a wildcard race where anything can happen, Harvick says his experience helps him approach this weekend just like any other. It has been a good racetrack for us. I, I think that really all these races can be wild cards, and there's not one racetrack that that really is any different to me. It's it, they're all they can all have something happen and turn into pure craziness, it, it, and and you hope that you're not on on the other side of where you need to be. But Bristol has been a has been a great racetrack for us, and you know you just hope that you can go in there and have that continue and, and capitalize on that. And really, this this. These are all good racetracks for us and, and can all be good racetracks for us and on one day or another. So it's just a matter of getting it all together and, and having it all work out. Another driver who needs a good run at Bristol to advance is Christopher Bell. Bell has a 13-point advantage heading into the weekend and knows that that can evaporate in an instant with how easy it is to get caught up in somebody else's mess at the track. Bristol's unique because it's not a super speedway. It's about as opposite of a super speedway as you could get, but it still has that feel of, you know, if something happens in front of you, you're in trouble and it's very tough to miss it. So whenever the schedule came out, I don't know how many years in a row Bristol has been a, uh, a cutoff race, but it, it's one that you, you don't want to go in there having to race for points for sure because you, you never know what can happen. And I think... Even in my short career, at least half the races at Bristol have been DNFs because you, you get caught up in, in other people's messes. So, fortunately, last year I was able to you know do good th through Darlington and Kansas, and Bristol was a ton of fun, and I was able to forget about points and go out there and try and race to win. So, uh, it, it is a little bit of a wild card. The drivers that join Truex below the cut line heading into the weekend are Bubba Wallace, who is 19 points behind Harvick, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who is 22 points back, and Michael McDowell, who, with a 40-point deficit, finds himself in a must-win situation. For Wallace, his mindset heading into the race is simple. Put himself in a position to score stage points, but be aware that Bristol can come out and bite you at any moment. 
Bristol's a, a favorite for, for all the drivers in the field. And so we, we know the, the race is going to be tough. The confidence is going to be high for everybody. And, and so we just need to go out and try to be better than the rest. I've, I've always wanted to win at Bristol, but to, to show up there and have speed and to be competitive is a first step. But we got to start moving that needle. You know, I think we're, we're going to have to be in position to get stage points and, and fight for everything that we have. Just have to go out and, and enjoy the racetrack. That place is a, sh uh, a track where you have to show up and respect it because it will bite you. Enjoying it is, uh, is a good step, too. As mentioned, Michael McDowell enters the weekend needing a great run and a lot of help to advance into the round of 12 for the first time in his career. Anything can happen in this race, though, and that's something McDowell is well aware of. I don't know what it is about the Bristol night race, but that everybody loses their mind. You know, I think it's probably because it's a cutoff race and everybody's in that do or die. Must Some are in that must-win situation. These cars in particular, I think, have been tricky at those high-speed, high-load uh, short tracks um, just because you run them so low to the ground, so close to bottom and out the shocks and when you do it just takes off right and so i think it's really easy to to overdo it and make mistakes um and it's hard to pass and so anytime it's hard to pass you're like you're taking big chances to pull it off because you need to you need to get through the field and yeah there just seems to be a little bit of a patient shortage when it comes to the bristol night race so after 500 grueling laps at the last great coliseum one driver will be celebrating in victory lane winning one of the sport's biggest races. 12 drivers will breathe a sigh of relief having advanced to the next round of the playoffs, and four drivers will have their championship hopes for 2023 shattered. Thank you, Kyle. That Bristol preview brought to you by Whelan Engineering. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, has been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up, we'll flash back 34 years to relive a day of redemption for one NASCAR Hall of Famer at Bristol. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to head for the exits on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we do, and before we head to the mountains of Bristol, Tennessee this weekend, let's take a trip back to the Speedway 34 years ago. It was the 1989 Valleydale Meets 500, and it provided no shortage of drama as Rusty Wallace had to overcome a day filled with adversity to claim the checkered flag. Rusty Wallace leads the way, tries to hold his car there at the bottom of the racetrack. It drifts up just a little bit. Bodine now comes to him there on the inside of the racetrack, trying to get some ground to make a move, but it's not there. This time he looks to the outside of the racetrack, still following Rusty Wallace. And there's something wrong with Jim Sauter's car. What a heartbreaker. The Slender U team was battling for the win along there. They couldn't quite pull it out. He was battling for a position with Ricky Rudd and Bill Elliott and Greg Sachs, but something is amiss on the Slender U Pontiac. But for Jeff Bodine, he says, hey, I think I remember this situation from another race. He was battling Bill Elliott for the win just a year ago. Now he's battling Rusty Wallace for the win with eight laps to go. They're in turn two. Both cars climb the banking in turn number two. Wallace still maintains his lead by a car length over Jeff Bodine. Still about three or four car lengths back to Darrell Waltrip. Waltrip is closing in, though. Waltrip was eight-tenths of a second a moment ago behind the lead car, and now he's chopped it down to about ten or twelve car lengths as he gets even closer out of turn number two. Front three tighten up while further back. A little bit of an encounter between Mark Martin and the Dick Trickle car. Those two get to 
together in turn number two, but Trickle is the one who comes out on top. He gets the spot and picks up five car lengths. Two laps down goes Jim Sauter after a change of tires on the slender U-car. The front three battling for the lead there in turn two. Wallace brings him off the corner again. The car breaks loose just a bit coming off turn number two. Bodine is there about a car length behind. Now add Walter to the equation. He too about a car length off the rear deck of Bodine. Five laps to go. The leader, Rusty Wallace, Jeff Bodine, and Daryl Waltrip are all locked together less than a three or four feet apart as they head off turn number two and back to three. Rusty Wallace has the Kodiak Pontiac in front of the two Chevrolets. Back into turn number three. This time make it a two-car length separation ahead of the second-place car of Bodine. Rusty coming off the corner. Jeff Bodine is two-car lanes back. We see some smoke from behind the Greg Sachs car a bit further behind. And here goes Waltrip. He wants second. And he gets it down to the inside. Goes Waltrip. He takes his Chevrolet underneath the Chevrolet of Bodine. Quickly picks up the spot. Now he's trying to track down the leader, Rusty Wallace. Darrell Waltrip knows every inch of this racetrack. He made a move right to the bottom of the racetrack to get underneath Jeff Bodine as they whistle back into turn number one. And now they're going to catch some lap traffic, and that may be a factor in the conclusion of this one. First, they'll encounter the Rick Mast car. Mast drops down to the inside of the racetrack. Wallace is able to get by. Next, the Terry Labonte car off turn four. Rusty Wallace already has one win here at Bristol in his career. Two laps to go as he has worked free of traffic, and now Darrell Waltrip is four car lanes back. Here they come off turn number two. Once again, Rusty Wallace leading the way. Four car lengths separate him from Darrell Waltrip. Back into turn number four. Waltrip's trying to reel him in. White flag for Rusty Wallace. One lap for Waltrip to do whatever he can. Left in this race as they head back to turn number one. The interval right there going off the corner. One car length. Waltrip pins his car right at the bottom of the racetrack, trying to gain some ground. Knowing time's running out. He chases Wallace back into turn three. It's going to be a car length and a half at the finish, but Rusty Wallace comes off turn four to win the Valleydale 500. Waltrip goes in second. The battle for third. Bodine, Trickle, Davey, Allison. Bodine gets third. The Trickle Allison call NASCAR is going to have to make for fourth and fifth spot. You can catch that race in its entirety at MRN.com under the MRN Classic Races tab or on any of your preferred podcast platforms. We'd like to thank Chris Busher for joining us today. Also, our thanks to Austin Hill for stopping by. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you for joining us as well. Don't forget, another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open drops Thursday. And, of course, we're back next Tuesday night for another edition of NASCAR Live at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina. And was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downing, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.